Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that was my amazingly lovely wife, Liberty. And we're a married couple trying to force our interest upon each other through the latest news in both books and sports. Today's episode is mostly the favorites. We'll see, I don't know. I, I'm getting less and less positive about that, but sports. We'll start it off as usual with the NHL, which is my favorite of all the sports. Currently, we're in the Stanley Cup final. We just had the game Dallas versus Tampa Bay last night, which was a thing. It was intense, to say the least. It was like Tampa Bay did not show up at all, obviously. Well, the series is 1-0 Dallas right now. The, st- the stats would disagree. They showed up in the third period, but it was too little too late. Like, right, right. Uh, on top of that, they're facing a goalie who more and more is being discussed in the possibility of being the Conn Smythe winner for the playoff MVP. So it's like, you know, maybe you should have turned that uh, firepower on a little earlier. He's a goalie who is finally showing up and doing something at the right place at the right time. Yeah, considering his career, for the most part, has been just overshined by whoever the starters are, and he's never really been given an opportunity to be the guy, and now he is, and he's like, hey, remember me, the guy that you kept overlooking? Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Well, he definitely faced a lot more shots yesterday, so... Yeah, to be exact, exactly 36 shots, and he only let one by, so a total of 35 saves. And that was kind of a weird goal. I don't know that I blame the goalie for that one. Yeah. On top of that, too, the crazy part, like I was saying about in the third period, 22 of the 36 shots that the Lightning had came in the third period. So, like, chaos. It's like they were never in neutral zone or the other zone at all. Yeah, pretty much. It was a little little eerie, to be completely honest, towards the end, because, obviously, I'm rooting for Kudobin just because I've followed his career here and again, whereas he bounces around all over the NHL. And I really do want to see him win. I feel like it's kind of that underdog story where it's like last year he kind of got some starting opportunities, but it was still Bishop was the guy, and then Bishop was the guy most of the season this season. And then Kudobin's like, dude, I'm here. Hello. I know that we live in Dallas, but I really don't want Dallas to win. And part of it is selfish because I don't want ticket prices to go up next season if we actually get to go. But also just I really thought going into it that – Dallas would have to work really hard to win it, the whole thing. They're going to have to go to game six or game seven is what I thought before last night's game. And Dallas just had it turned on already and Tampa Bay did not. And it's like when Tampa Bay went into the last series, they had all this rest and then came in with a ton of manpower and kicked butt. And it's like the reverse situation for them. Dallas had all this rest and then they just came in on like on fire. Yeah, it's always a crapshoot with the rest, whether it's actually a good thing or a bad thing, if it's letting you get rusty or if it's, like, giving you that energy level back that you didn't have anymore from the previous series. And so far, it seems this year is the year of it working out as just good rest and giving the energy back, so. Now, Tampa Bay's Stamkos missed last night's game, but his coach said he could play at some point. He's been unfit to play during the playoffs, but he resumed skating recently including optional practices, morning skates, all of this fun stuff. Every week since the Stanley Cup playoffs began, even with like the qualification games, it's the been like... The technically NHL playoffs at that point yeah, is what the qualifiers were. Yeah, the rumors of Stamkos coming back have existed. It's like, well, maybe he'll be back for this next series. And it's like, nope, maybe he'll be back for the next series. I mean, nope. there's not a lot of games left for him to make it happen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. 
Especially since if it goes to game five, then it's going to be a double header between four and five. So, like, that doesn't give you a lot of time. Do you think it's really, at this point, just like, hey, you better prepare for Stamkos just in case he shows up trying to, like, screw with Dallas at this point? No, I don't. You actually think he's got a chance of coming back? I don't know if he has a chance of coming back. I think this is a hopeful coach. I think that he wants to see this player come in. I think he needs Needs to see this player come in. But I don't know that it's like a mind game that they're trying to play. And then you got to think what level of Stamkos is going to show up. Because again, he's been injured for the longest time and he's just doing like warm-up skates right now. So like he might not be 100% fit. Right. And he had a lower body injury before training camp started in the middle of July. But also he was hurt before this big pause even happened. So it's like... How far has he recovered from this injury? How far has he recovered from the other injury? And, like, all they say is unfit to play. You don't know if it's, like, a like long-term thing. Thank the lovely CBA that they just they uh, signed. So, yeah, it's just everything and everything is just undisclosed. But I think if he's coming back, it's got to happen quick. Yeah. But his coach said it could happen, and at the most you have six games to make it happen. Yeah. And by the time the episode goes up, obviously you guys will have watched game two. So um, we'll have known whether he has gone into that game or not. Right. But until then, bum, bum, bum. but yeah, it, it was an enjoyable game to watch at least the little bits I got to watch because I was doing a lot of reading. But at the same time, running was, errands, other things. Yeah. yeah. The list went on and on. But it was definitely more exciting for Dallas than I thought it was going to be. I think we can both agree to that. I think they had a really good second period. The first period was okay, but nothing to like write home about. The f- The first period was literally like watching a game of golf. You could have fallen asleep and not missed a thing, shy of like the first two goals, I guess. But they were both kind of like softer goals. Yeah. And then the third period was all about Tampa Bay, but it just was not happening for them. I mean, they got in a pretty soft goal to begin with. They just needed to... Be more defensive, I think, to keep Dallas from getting those other two goals. Yeah, they looked very much like the Chicago Bears of last year, where it was like, they turned it on, just not quite fast enough to get things done. Too little, too late. But I thought I would discuss some signing stuff. I've got some of that as well, so I'm excited to hear what you have. McCann can. Jared McCann signed a two-year, $5.88 million contract with the Penguins on Friday. This prevented him from becoming a restricted free agent, which is what we were concerned with before, because we only had to like the beginning of October before that would happen. And McCann was basically saying, I'm willing to be whatever they want me to be. I just want to be here. Yeah. And that's really something that we need a lot of the time with the Penguins because we like to get sick and injured a lot. So we need to have depth and like... My big saying this whole past season is McCann can. Like, yeah. he can do it. He can make it happen because... And between that and rust retrust are, like, the two most common things I hear come out of your mouth throughout the season. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, he, I think, has a lot of potential. And he made it into the top two lines for us this year for forwards. And so I'm really excited to keep him. I was kind of worried we weren't going to. But now that he's not going to be a restricted free agent, I can breathe easier. Well, and he allowed you guys to sign him for a reasonable contract, too. Like, it wasn't like you were paying. Like, do I think McCann got paid a little bit more, maybe, than he should have? Yeah, but at the same time, it's reasonable in comparison to what I'm sure he was asking. 
I think if you saw where he was fitting in and how he was being a fluid player in our lineup, you wouldn't necessarily say he's being overpaid, in my opinion. But I also love all my boys, and I want them to make all the money. So. Well, I hate to break it to you. I think there's more trades coming on the horizon for your team, only because you have eight defensemen signed. Our cap space is not pretty right now. We don't have a lot of money to be giving out right now. You have one goalie, the backup, but you have two main goalies that realistically, if you don't trade before the deadline, one of them, you've done yourself a disservice. I agree. I don't know. I don't know what the right move is going to be here. And I also am scared. Well, understand that if you don't get a first round or second set of second round picks for whoever it is that you trade, you guys got screwed without a doubt. Like both Murray and Jari are prepared to be NHL starting goalies. All the rumors I'm hearing is it's going to be Jari that's staying and Murray that's leaving. And I know as a Penguins fan, that's hard for you to hear. I can only imagine. I've gone through goalie losses before, if you'll remember. So like, yes, yours was kidnapped in an expansion draft, (laughs) which is a little bit different than trading somebody away. I'm just saying there are old scar tissues on my heart from losing a goalie I love and I don't want to talk about it anymore. And the crazy thing is he's going to be involved in chaos as well this year when it comes to being Most a goalie because Leonard and him are both going to be RFAs. There have been rumors that Flurry's going to come back to us but I feel like that's just hopeful thinking and to be honest you I don't, don't have, I don't, don't know cap that space. I don't know that I want him back like is that that's bad. I love Flurry. He is the cutest little flower in existence, but I think he's not as good as he used to be. Not as good as he was when we won the Stanley Cup with him. Well, what's crazy to me is, and, and we'll kind of go come back around to the Penguins here in a minute, Peter DeBoer is getting flack for starting Leonard over Flurry, and I'm like, really? I, I'm like, mm. I mean, the guy had four shutouts in nine games, like, during the playoffs of all times. Right. So, like, yeah. That's your you, guy. That's the guy you start. Stick I'm to your sorry. guns. Yeah. You start whoever's hot. Like, it doesn't matter if someone's supposed to be a backup goalie and someone's supposed to be a main goalie or whatever. Especially in the Stanley Cup, you start whoever is hot. Whoever's right. doing well, whoever's got his right mindset going that's who you start and yeah that might have hurt some feelings but it's also a game that you're trying to win and also capitalism and money so like well, you, you can't do that we've both seen our teams do that so like obviously flurry when he was on the outs murray came in and did that yeah. in the playoffs and for me when crawford was in the toilet you had scott darling a number of years ago who'd just yeah. was phenomenal coming yeah. off the bench. So it's not uncommon, obviously, and it shouldn't be. I don't think he should be getting crap for making the smart decision. Yeah. And let's be honest, I don't think anybody really picked Dallas to beat Vegas. No, I don't. I feel like unless you're biased because Dallas is your team, I don't <laughs> think anyone picked Dallas to make right. it to the Stanley Cup final right. at all. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with that as well. I, I really don't think... Like, I, I would have loved, and I think I told you guys this on the podcast, I would have loved to see Dallas beat Vegas. But at the same time, I love Leonard, and I don't want Vegas to lose. And I was more certain that Vegas was going to win. And, hey, 
Prove me wrong, Dallas. Way to go. Now well, now I got your back. I'm right there with you. It seems like I just am one for three as far as rounds go <laughs> because I completely nailed the second round. All my picks made it through. Right. And then the third round, it's completely opposite. The first one we're not even going to talk about because teams I picked didn't even make it into the first round because I'm biased. Yeah. So, I don't know. Dallas is a surprise yeah. right now. Boy, that was a nice big full circle of goalies, hockey, Dallas, Pittsburgh, I I can talk about hockey all day. (laughs) We don't have all day. (laughs) Well, then let me move on. Okay. So Eric Stahl was sort of shocked this past week to be traded to the Buffalo Sabres from the Minnesota Wild on, I think, Wednesday this happened. But he's also reuniting with the GM over there. (laughs) The GM is Adams. I don't have his first name because I forgot to write it down, whoever it is over there. But they both were on the Stanley Cup winning team in 2006 with the Carolina Hurricanes. So, like... Correct. I don't think he particularly likes this trade because I don't think anyone enjoys being traded to Buffalo. I'm excited to see Eric Stahl, a guy who has those accurate passes and things like that, possibly being on the ice at the same time as Cahoon, uh, who you guys traded away to get Shiri back, which it's like you broke my heart, you took him away from me, and then you're like, ah, to Buffalo with you. And I'm like, why would you do that to such a great player? Like Um, I said, no one wants to be traded to Buffalo. No, but I I honestly think seeing the two of them on the ice at the same time could be exciting for Buffalo, obviously. Well, and it's... One of those things where they're working to bring in more players to make them better so that people aren't going, oh, I can't believe he got traded to Buffalo. (laughs) It's like they're trying to work themselves up to being like Detroit was when they were at their height and being like the Penguins when we were two cups in two years. Yeah. So I think Buffalo could pull some strings and do some damage in the coming years. I think it just, I don't know that Stahl really appreciates this move. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I have more wild news, and I think there's one that's even worse than that. And I don't know if you wrote about it or not, but... Uh, Miko Koivu will yep. not be returning to the Minnesota Wild next season and will become an unrestricted free agent on October 9th. Now, I think this one was ultimately way more harsh than being traded at this point, and I'll tell you why. He's played with the team since he was drafted 15 years ago. Didn't and he have the captaincy as well? He was the first full-time captain for the mm-hmm. Minnesota Wild, and he's held it for... 11 years? Yeah, 11 years. A lot of years, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if this is just one of those things where they can't come to terms or if they're just washing their hands of each other or what's happening. So he's had his second worst career season. If he's been the captain for 11 years, he has to be old at this point, right? Mm, Yeah, oldish, but... I mean hockey old. I don't mean real people old. Yeah, the, the reality of it is, is he had one of his worst seasons last season. He only had four goals and 21 points. And he had a diminishing time on ice as well, so... Well, it, yeah, when you're not doing well, they don't want to put you on the ice. Go figure, right? Well, also, it had more to do with his physical capabilities. He wasn't able to stay up to that endurance level through the entire season. Well, so. he's 37 years old, apparently. So, for hockey, that's practically ancient. They're going to start calling you dad on the team. Yeah. So, you know, that that's, uh, believe it or not, is... Also, not all the wild news I have. Um, I don't have anything else from the wild. The wild signed Jonas Brodin to a seven-year, $42 million contract. Quite the payday for the defenseman. $6 million a year. That's insane. 
Yep. He basically was the backbone of their time on ice for defensemen, hits, blocked shots. Basically, any category that was related to a defenseman, he was leading it for the team. That just sounds like a very well-negotiated contract for a defenseman. Not saying he's overpaid, but just saying that... That's a lot of money for a defenseman, I think. He's a younger guy, too, so I believe he's like 23 or 24 years old. So he's signed a pretty long-term contract. And as we know, defensemen can go a while, especially when they have that like natural talent. And I, I agree with the Wild. I think he has that natural talent. So... You know, we'll see if that check cashes down the line or not, yeah, you know, yeah. for him or not. But It's like put up or shut up. For like the, at least the next three or four years, you probably have a really solid defenseman, barring any crazy injuries that could yeah. come up. Well, and defensemen can sometimes get those really weird injuries, so who knows? Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. I've definitely seen Seabrook come up and down with some weird lower body injuries over the years and... There we even talk about Duncan Keith losing his, like, five of his seven his front mouth. teeth. Yeah. He lost his whole mouth. Pretty much. It's insane. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm sure you have more hockey news. I do too, but, yes. you know, I'll let you get back to it. The five remaining NHL awards will be presented during a 30-minute show prior to Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. It's the Lindsay Calder, Norris, Vezina, and Hart trophies. And they have three nominees are finalists for each one so for the calder memorial trophy the finalists are quinn hughes dominic kubelik and kale macar macar there you go macar you got it it's like hey who took macar that's very country sounding yeah the hart memorial trophy finalists are leon dreisaitl nathan mckinnon and artemi panarin and they are also the three finalists for the ted Lindsay award so all three of them are up for the same two awards yeah we definitely have talked about this in the past i just obviously didn't know when they were going to be announcing the actual winners of all of them james norris memorial trophy finalists are john carlson victor hedman and roman yossi and the vizina trophy finalists are connor hellebuck tukarask and andre vasilevsky I won't correct you on your pronunciation of that last trophy, but we'll leave it at that. Anyways. Whatever. <laughs> was a good attempt. Uh, there was actually an award given out this week. Yeah. Uh, do you have that in your notes? No. Oh, cool. So it was given to Flames captain Mark Giordano. He wins the Mark Messier NHL Leadership Award. That's a mouthful of an award. He shares a first name with an award. Yep. And he won it too. So the award is given to the player that best exemplifies great leadership qualities on and off the ice, who also plays a leading role in his community growing the game of hockey. Again, a mouthful. It's quite the, the award to win. But he's very big in the community when it comes to youth programs and things like that and sponsoring those as well too um he's very fond of trying to help kids and adults with learning disabilities he actually uh his charity that he runs and operates raised four hundred thousand dollars for a higher education school to help teach kids with learning disabilities so like that they can get proper college educations and things like that as well yeah that's pretty cool i'm like that's a super cool charity to be a part of so but overall he's just very prevalent in the local community with anything that he can get his hands on like he's volunteering and donating time money and partnering with different corporations and all sorts of things to do stuff like that so kudos to him i always like those types of awards you know they're they're the tearjerker awards it's not based on performance it's like how good of a human being are you yeah 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 and then I have just a bunch of hirings, and I don't know that I have any firings this week. I think it's a bit shy of... It's the week of the hirings. Yeah, shy of the Miko Kobu, uh, like, hey, you're 
Bye. Have a good life. Koivu. Koivu. Yes. But I won't correct you on that. But you did. <laughs> and when it comes to those types of things, when it comes to the hirings, uh, the Blues hired former Dallas Stars head coach Jim Montgomery as an assistant coach. He was terminated by the Stars for an act of unprofessional conduct. I was going to say. Details have come out about that. It's not like as crazy as we thought it was. It had more to do with the fact that he had an alcohol problem. Based on the information that has come to light, at least related to it. Is it had as in the past tense is because at the time he had one? Or is it because at the time he had one and he no longer has one? Had in the sense that he no longer has that problem. He went to rehab about a month after being released from the organization. I don't know if like his wife and family finally partnered with him and were like, hey, how about you go get this taken care of instead of continually having this problem. But he was in rehab for about six months and came out and has... Supposedly been clean since. Obviously, you and I don't know that because we don't know him personally. But even if we did know him personally, we might not know that. Yeah, realistically. But he's basically signed on as one of the assistant coaches with that organization. Actually, I do have a firing. Oh, God, I didn't realize it. The Florida Panthers have parted ways with Mike Kitchen. She's been accused of kicking a player during a game while the player was on the bench. What the fuck? <laughs> 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 with that, I almost won't leave it in just for your laugh. So that we can edit that out and just be like, boop. Because uh, that's the first time in a while I think uh, I've gotten liberty to curse on the podcast. So I'm going to like put like a little chalkboard up the amount of times I can make liberty curse during the during the uh, podcast uh, and keep tabs on it for you guys. Tell me about the guy in the kitchen. So Mike Kitchen was a previous assistant coach with the Blackhawks organization with Joel Quinville. So when Joel Quinville got the head coaching job, of course, he brought Mike Kitchen with him. But what ended up happening was the player had come back on the eye, uh, on the bench, was upset, threw his water bottle on the ground, and I guess it had literally just soaked Mike Kitchen. And it was more of like, hey, watch what you're doing, kick. But it was reported more as like, he kicked me so hard I felt it through my pads. So, like, he tried to play it off as, like, it was just a natural reaction. But then at the same time, it's like, dude, you can't just kick players because you're frustrated. That's stupid as hell. Like, that just doesn't make sense. It sounds like he kicked him for spilling water on him, and that's real dumb. Yeah. Seems like a pretty stupid thing to be that angry about, considering you're a coach and not a player. So you should not be nearly as fired up as the players are coming off the ice. Like, it's excusable for a player to throw a bottle on the ground in frustration with their own play, but it is not excusable for the coach behind them to be like, hey, you got water on my nice shoes, I'm going to kick you in the back. Like, that's not okay. And then some good news in the hiring world, the Capitals hire Peter LaViolette. I believe that was announced maybe an hour or two after we recorded last week. So pretty a while back. He was signed for a total of three years to be the head coach. Dollar amount didn't get out, so he managed to keep that quiet. Kudos to him on that one. And then the Canadians signed Edmondson to a four-year, $14 million contract. They made a trade with Carolina for him last week. Not this past week, but like the week before that. They traded for him just to have signing rights. And they immediately gave him a record contract for his career. So kudos to him. Everyone's making money this off season. It's not really an off season. Yeah, it's it's definitely nice. I, I always think it's funny when I'm sitting here reading about these contract signings that in the NFL you hear about all this guaranteed money, but in the NHL you never really see it. You gotta play to get paid. Right. And then the last bit of hockey news I have, the 2021 World Juniors uh, were announced that they will be hosting it in Edmonton 
in a bubble-style system similar to the NHL. Good. There will be no fans allowed in the facility, but the 2020 was supposed to be the year for the World Juniors. They got canceled, obviously, thanks to COVID. Go figure. So they're pushing it back one year. Edmonton also will be hosting it two years later as well. Sweden has decided that they want to basically be pushed back. I guess their facilities weren't going to be ready in time, more or less. So Edmonton's going to be hosting two World Juniors back-to-back. And then in 2024, Sweden will host Oh, okay. That's very weird. Yeah. I thought so, too. It's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, good for Edmonton. Make that money. Seriously. Host the NHL Stanley Cup Finals and playoffs, and now you get all this. But realistically, like, they're really not driving that much money into the city because you don't have all the people staying in hotels other than players and, like, NHL officials versus, like, fans and things. That You're would... getting more money than if you had nothing. doing yeah. it. It's true. So, good for them on that front. Right. And then the only other news I have is NHL records its eighth straight week of no COVID positive tests. It can be done. Yep. If you take the right precautions. And then I have the weird news of the week. It's brought to you by the NHL this week, not by baseball for once. You you... keep saying you have no more news and then you tell me, oh, and there's one more thing. Surprise, one more thing. In fairness, it's split it amongst the pages, so I didn't see it until I, I scrolled down. Okay, so what's the weird news of the week? So, Montreal Canadiens owner Jeff Molson helps save a pilot of a crashed plane. Yeah. That is the word news of the week. But, yeah, it's kind of strange, right? I guess he was out on his boat on Lake Massawippi. What yep. a name. It's quite a lake name. And he witnessed the amphibious plane crashing into the lake and drove his boat over there and was like, hey, I'm here to save the day. If it's amphibious, what's the problem? Um, it didn't boat? land properly. Plane. Uh, yeah. Boat? Plane? Yeah. Believe it or not, they can still crash, just like a normal plane. That sounds stupid. Yeah. The pilot ended up only suffering minor injuries. The local lake police came to, uh, you know, make sure he was all right. So That's good. Yep. Considering he crashed a plane and he only had minor injuries, yes, that's very good. I think it's because his plane was amphibious. <laughs> yeah, that, that's clearly it. Yep. Did you have any other NHL news? That was everything. Yeah. We'll see how these Stanley Cup finals go next week. Yeah, excited to watch game two. I'll actually be off, so I'll get to enjoy it a little bit, which is kind of nice. For the NFL news, the Detroit Lions defensive tackle Nick Williams is going to be out for week two game against the Packers due to a shoulder injury. There were so many injuries this week in the NFL that my brain literally hurt trying to read about all of them. I only wrote about a few because those were the only ones I saw. It's a wise decision. It was almost endless. It's like, this person's hurt, and this person's hurt, and this person's hurt. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with them? Oh, well, we're not releasing that information. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So they're hurt. Great. Well, these I know. Yeah. So the Detroit Lions defensive tackle out due to shoulder injury. The Cincinnati Bengals tight end CJ Uzoma. I don't even know who he is. So good. Probably good. Sounds great. Is out for the season after tearing his right Achilles tendon during Thursday's loss against the Cleveland Browns. Not only do you lose, but you tear that tendon of all your tendons. Ouch. It's it's not the only one with the Achilles this week. I'm surprised. Yeah. I don't know if there's an equipment issue here or if they're just unlucky. I don't know. It, it just seems like a, a rough day for the Achilles or rough week for the Achilles. We'll just call it what Who it is. Who was it? So it was also Colts Marlon Mack, their running back. He was supposed to be their star this year. They don't know how long it's going to take him to come back. It just said that he has been confirmed with MRI for a torn Achilles. So do tight ends and running backs, I think that's what you said, do they do almost the same job? No. 
Do they do completely different jobs? Uh, well, they're both on offense, so... Do they both run a lot? Is that well, how this that's injury football, happens? football, so yes, they do run. I don't mean like that. Like, some people on the line run more, and some people on the line, so like, the, hit people the more tight than end, they run. You, you place on the ends of the normal offensive line guys. I thought so, because it's the end. Yeah, and they can either block, or they can run out for a pass. They hardly ever run the ball. So, running backs are the ones that but run the ball. But they do run yes. some. Yeah, yes. Mostly they bl- mostly they block. They run routes from time to time, though. Yes. I'm just wondering if it's a running injury that's just plaguing them. Or it, what. it very well could be, I guess. Well, now that I'm going to be made fun of for that, <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers are without their tight end, which is the guy on the end, George Kittle, for Sunday's game against the New York Jets. Yeah, we talked about his injury last week, and it's just... Uh, Sprained left knee. Yeah. He's going to end up staying in the Bay Area to rehab and is apparently going to rejoin the team next week. So they say. Who even knows? Yeah. A sprained knee, I can't imagine, would heal that quickly. It's kind of a bummer because the 49ers are very quickly becoming like the middle of the season Yankees were, where they were just... Everybody was hurt. So like they've they've been signing a lot of these guys who are not signed by teams right now like we need somebody please come fill in please come fill oh, in yeah. so they don't have any depth yeah they need the depth they need the depth and then i have a signing the la rams and receiver robert woods have agreed to a four-year 65 million dollar extension including 32 million dollar guarantee here we are back in the guarantees right back in the nfl contract has a maximum value of 68 million dollars yeah. so i don't know where the other three million would come from escalators so I assume. from what nothing did you say escalators i did say escalators. okay no it's based usually off of performance bonuses okay um it's becoming one of the other more common things in the nfl so they obviously do that in the nhl you have a couple of players on your roster that are owed money from mm-hmm. last season yeah that will hit your cap space when the season begins. Well, I don't so. want to talk about the cap space. There's no cap space. We're at the ceiling at this point. Yeah. So, anyways, it's another more common contract term that is appearing in the NFL, at least. Is that all the NFL news you have? Yep. Oh, wow. No wonder it takes you only so little time to write your actual sports news. It makes it so much easier. I only go so far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Clearly. We'll continue with injuries. These are the more extreme ones. Cowboy linebacker Leighton Vander Esch is out six to eight weeks due to a collarbone fracture. Uh, when the x-ray came back, it was a complete clean break. So the doctors are basically saying, yeah, it's six to eight weeks, but we're expecting eight weeks. So he will probably be out for a little longer than the Cowboys hope to have him down. Being one of their star linebackers, it's not somebody you really want not on the field for obvious reasons. Speaking of the 49ers, they also signed Mohamed Sanu to help out with injury woes in the wide receiver position. They've lost three wide receivers between the preseason practices and the first game of the week. Wow. So, that poor 49ers, they need help where they can get it. And I don't think it's a bad signing. I'm kind of shocked that Mohamed Sanu wasn't signed by somebody else. He's just another one of those receivers who like is unpredictable in their quality of what you're going to get. Like He's had some very good seasons with the Patriots, and then he's also had some not-so-great seasons with the Patriots. That might be why he wasn't signed anyway. Yeah, just a, a little bit of a crapshoot, I guess. Tariq Cohen also agreed to a new contract extension. 
took up a three-year contract extension with Debers for $17.25 million. He is guaranteed $9.53 million, and with performance bonuses, can add up to a total of $18.25 million this year in contract monies if he decides to do so. So if the Bears somehow win the Super Bowl, he will make not only $18.25 million, but the additional time he'll make the monies for his extension. So it could be a very, very profitable year for Tariq Cohen. Think about what the condition is to get him more monies like that. Yeah, a lot. I don't know that it would happen. It's going to be tough, for sure. Speaking of also contract extensions, but in this instance, going wrong, Allen Robinson has been the talk of the town in Chicago sports. He is not happy about the contract conversations he's having. He's been the number one receiver for the Bears for the last three seasons, and his contract is coming to an end at the end of this year. And he's watching the number two wide receiver, the number two running back, getting these contract extensions this week. And he's like, guys, really? Like, I'm right here. You're talking to me, too. Let's get this done. And I kind of understand his frustration. Well, is he being unreasonable? I will. Obviously, those details don't get out. Exactly. But at the same time, it's like, unless he's asking for 50 plus million dollars, there's no reason to not do it. His last contract with us was for four years at 42 million and so the reality is he's gonna get paid probably more than either of those two guys it's just a matter of coming together with the contract details and it got ugly to the point where his agent was asking the organization to trade him he did not want the trade he was like whoa 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 my agent is saying things i don't want him to say yeah we don't want to be traded we would prefer to get a contract done like i like being a part of this organization i like being part of this team let's just work on actually discussing things instead of just shutting down lines of communication and i think in the long run that's not a bad stance to have if you're a player like hey i know i'm important to your offense i could be important to other people's offenses but don't shut down the lines of communication and just tell me hey we're done talking for now like yeah because that's where the bears were standing at one point this week and it's like that's not well and healthy. you also never want your agent to be saying things that aren't true we learned that with flurry yeah. and posting that lovely photo of peter DeBoer stabbing him in the back i feel like that's how an agent could lose their job agents are sole purpose is to get contracts re-signed but not to destroy relationships between players and teams single-handedly by themselves either so yeah i agree and then we also have the saints michael thomas he's the one of their star receivers he's gonna be out several weeks with a high ankle injury originally it came out originally it came out that he was going to try to play this week on it throughout the week in practice he was unsuccessful in doing so so he's sitting this week I don't know how long it'll be, what severity the injury is, but he'll be out for a little while anyways. And the craziest news out of the NFL this week, the Rams stadium final cost comes in at a little over $5 billion. With a B. With a B. Billion dollars. And the Rams also got their first win against the Cowboys in the new stadium this past Sunday. Uh, So... Not the Sunday we're recording, but the Sunday before it, they beat the Cowboys in the stadium. I think it's kind of cool that they got the first win. Having seen it, it's just just the images of the inside of that stadium. I understand why it's $5 billion, but it's craziness. Like That's a B of a price, Mark. Yeah. I can't imagine. So they were building that in that same facility that we were watching uh, the LAFC game in that new stadium. Oh, okay. So you have not only the new LAFC stadium there on the USC campus, well, off the USC campus, but really it's like right there. Yeah. 
and you also will have that new five billion dollar stadium as well so kudos to that area of just having all sorts of money dumped into it right now yeah right that place was busy and packed and we only went to see a soccer game i can't imagine and it was a really nice stadium like i have to say like the soccer stadium oh yeah It was gorgeous. The rules and regulations of the MLS are a little outdated and crazy, but at the same time, like the the stadium itself. Was, you mean like was the security beautiful. rules? Oh yeah. So, yeah, that was a nightmare to get in yeah. and out. First game ever at the stadium, and they had a trailer with security things in it, and literally no organizational system to check bags back out at the end of the night. It was a disaster. Yeah, if you didn't have a clear bag of a certain size, you had to put your bag in a locker, and it was nonsense and Getting it in was okay, but getting it out took hours. Yeah. Literally hours. It was ridiculous. I think we were there for almost three and a half hours after the game. But we also had to do something like that when we went to a hockey game for the Minnesota Wild this past year, right before COVID hit. Yeah. And I was able to put my bag in and get it back out in roughly the same amount of time, like five minutes. It's amazing what a actual plan to the process adds to it. Well, and it's all computerized at the Minnesota Wild Arena, whatever they call it. It's all, like, computerized. So you just put in your information, they'll send you a passcode in your email, and that's your code for your locker, and you're the only one who knows it. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. And then we can go into the NFL's COVID testing for this week. They are not eight weeks clean. They are not. They had seven positive tests this week, two of which were of players uh, to unknown teams. They're not really communicating that to us. But five others were from team personnel. Not actual players. Correct. The thing is, the team personnel category includes front office people that don't even have contact with the players, all the way up to, like, scouts as part of the organization. So it's like, it could have literally been anyone. It's also something that needs to be done through that many people I like agree. the testing needs to happen for that yeah. many people even if it's going to mess up your whatever because there's a chance that you come in contact with say one of the assistant coaches and then the assistant coach goes down and coaches the players like if you don't have the back tracing capability you're screwed yeah but that's pretty much all the nfl news i have for the week and this time i actually mean it i don't have any other hidden news well the game that just finished right before we set up to record your bears you won yeah, that two just and, happened. Two and zero. Oh. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season uh, that we hired Nick Foles and he wasn't the quarterback that led us to being two and zero, oh, you would uh, be shocked. I would be shocked because Mitch Trubisky played well in the first half A and few good but wobbly passes. Yeah, his accuracy is getting better. His um, wobbliness is still there. Yeah, and his timing is pretty pretty on point. However, he did throw an interception, and arguably, I would disagree that it wasn't some form of defensive pass interference. I was under the impression that defensive pass interference meant that you weren't turning around to look at the ball, which he did not do, and he just shoved his hands up in the receiver's face, and he's like, well, based on the timing, it's not pass interference. And I'm like, we hadn't touched the ball yet, and his hands were already making contact with the player. That's defensive pass interference. Well, but like with hockey, I don't know anything about football. I can't argue this with you. But with hockey you have a window to hit somebody within the puck coming in and out of that person's and i feel like that's what they argued yeah i think that's what it had to do with and in turn like out of just pure stupid luck his hands made the ball fall into his chest 
So, like, he not only interfered with the receiving wide receiver, but he also somehow ended up with the ball in his lap, and he was like, oh, I intercepted it. And he was like, yay, I did a thing. Like, yeah. you could completely tell he didn't mean to do it. So Well, and the other team was 0-1, and you were 1-0, and now you're 2-0, and and they're 0-2. Yeah. Which is how you want it to turn out. Yeah, in most instances, yes. For the MLB, the Houston Astros right-hander Justin Verlander announced on Instagram on Saturday that he is set to undergo Tommy John surgery. This is only the second time in his career that he's landed on the aisle. I don't know how long he's been playing. If he's only been playing a year, that's a lot. He's expected to make it to about 40, 42 as a pitcher. Right now, I want to say he's about 36 or 37. Okay, so... So he's been pitching for a while. Sounds like he's been pretty healthy up until now. Yeah, he... He was a very dependable pitcher for Detroit for a number of years when Detroit wasn't a hot garbage team like they have been the last couple of years. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later because their manager just stepped down as well. He was really their ace for the longest, longest time. And then um, he got traded around after that. And he never was really as good as he was in Detroit until like the last two seasons that he was with Houston. And since he was been in Houston he's been phenomenal. It's like he somehow found the fountain of youth when it came to pitching and it just came back to him naturally so i'm not shocked he's been playing a long 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 time and when you end up damaging your tendons in your elbow tommy john is what comes next go figure you know i still think tommy john's gonna end up being a bad thing in the end for some of these people Again, these things have been going on 30, 40 plus years surgery wise. It's definitely been more relevant in recent years, but a lot of the time back in the day when you had that injury, you just retired. The problem is people are having it at younger and younger ages because parents are forcing their children to be more competitive and more competitive to try to become professional athletes and that is destroying people. But you know where I stand on that. I've actually kicked kids out of Little League games for that, and I'm probably a monster. But at the same time, I also don't want them growing up being in this situation at 18, 19 years having to have Tommy John. So, But continuing on the topic of the Tigers, since we spoke about them a little bit with Merlander's conversation, Tigers manager Ron Gardenhire retires for health reasons. I put air quotes. I I tried to emphasize it a little bit. Maybe you could hear my air quotes on the mic. He claimed that recent bout with food poisoning and the stress from managing the Tigers led to the decision of him retiring. I think what more realistically the stress was coming from was the fact that he led the Tigers to one of their worst set of years in organization history. So he was had a record as the skipper of the team 132 for wins 241 losses across his three years as the head coach so it's like dude you suck like no wonder you're so stressed out you're you're leading one of the worst teams in the major leagues on record in history in the last three years i feel like if someone's gonna leave the organization in like that sort of position they don't necessarily have to say why they're leaving especially if your team sucks right now like we get it we assume yeah. Yeah. You're on pace to not make the playoffs for the third straight year. So um, we understand. <laughs> but I think that's all the Tigers news I have. I don't know if you have anything else fun to go on about. No, I do have another injury. The St. Louis Cardinals put their right-hander Dakota Hudson on the 10-day IL due to a strained right forearm. So, like, it's not, nothing's broken, nothing's torn. It's just strained. So he's out for 10 days. Kind of makes sense. Throwing is sure. Im- throwing is important in the game of baseball. So supposedly that's what you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other injuries? Uh, 
I don't think that I do, actually. I think predominantly I just have news for other things, so. Well, the last bit of news I have for baseball, and it's actually the last bit of news for baseball that I have, the Oakland A's have clinched their playoff berth. They're going to be in the playoffs. Oh, I have some more news about that, too, as well, because there were other things that happened this week. They were not the only team to clinch a playoff berth. I didn't think they were. Yeah. The first team was the Los Angeles Dodgers. That, I believe, happened on Monday. Followed shortly in suit by the White Sox clinching and uh, American League. What's crazy, though, is when it comes to the playoff berths so far in the major leagues, there's only the Dodgers in the West. That's it. Like they are, I shouldn't say in the West. In the National League, they're the only team that's clinched a single spot. Whereas in the American League, we have the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And I know the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm sorry, Habit blurted that out. Didn't mean to call them the Devil Rays, but like people were offended by that at some point. Uh, Chicago White Sox, the Minnesota Twins, and, of course, your Oakland Athletics. They're mine? Why are they mine? Well, because you knew them. That, that's the only one you're, I knew. You're a fan of the Athletics now. I'm going to order you an A's jersey tomorrow. Please don't. <laughs> you have a McCann on your team. Why can't I get a McCann jersey? Jared McCann. What's his face, McCann? I yeah. could pretend it's both. Yeah. They don't have the same number, though. That would be the only flaw. Dang it. Yeah. Is, does his name start with a J? I don't think it does. Hold on. We need to know. James McCann. It starts with a J. So we could do the initial J McCann. McCann can. Yeah. But speaking about the White Sox, since we're talking about McCann, the White Sox yesterday went back to back to back in home runs in the victory over the Reds. All three were solo home runs, so it wasn't quite as exciting as like a run scoring option because it was just three home runs. You didn't get a bunch of people on the bases before the home runs were hit. Yeah. Yeah. It's batted in, right? Runs batted in. Yes. I'm so proud of you. You should be. This is amazing. Anyways, the White Sox yesterday hit five solo home runs during the game. So all five of their runs were solo home runs. Just three of them happened to come in succession. What I'm hearing is that there's room for improvement. Well, there's room for batters on base, yes. Yes. The three in a row were hit by Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, and Jose Abreu. Currently right now for the batting title, you have DJ LeMahieu in the American League. Then you have Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. So two out of the top three for the batting title right now are part of the White Sox organization. No wonder the offense is doing so many wonderful things. As long as it's not an offense. It's not an offense. We're not talking about hockey mm-hmm. right now. There's only one team that technically is from Canada right now in the major leagues. They're not and they're in not Canada. even in Canada. They're playing in Buffalo, so I think their accents travel with them. I I don't I don't think so. Okay. As well, too, this week, Albert Pujols passed Willie Mays for the fifth all-time on the home run leaderboard. He tied them last week, finally surpassed him this week. He hit two home runs in a single game, so he got his 661st, which allowed him to pass Willie Mays and take the rightful fifth place and 662nd career home runs. And he did it against our lovely Texas Rangers here. So uh, kudos to him, taking it out on the home team here in Dallas. should say Arlington if you really want to be proper. No, we don't. The next person that he would be able to catch on the list is Alex Rodriguez uh, with 696. At the pace he's going, he's probably going to retire before he gets to 696. But as a child growing up, I wasn't really allowed to root for Pujols too often because he played for the St. Louis Cardinals. Are you sure it's not because of his last name? No, it has nothing to do with Pujol. Okay. I promise. I knew the joke was coming. But obviously the Cardinals and the Cubs are kind of one of the more cutthroat rivalries in the world of baseball. So... I thought it would be the White Sox and the Cubs. Well, when it comes to interleague, yes. But when it comes to internal to their division, okay, it's definitely always been the Cubs and the Cardinals. Since my family on my mom's side are all 
Cubs fans, it's kind of important to not root for the Cardinals. But then you have to root for the Cubs. Yeah, which is also not great. Yeah. MLB announced a spring training start date of February 27th. Uh, right now, they're expecting fans to be able to go watch the games. Uh, Rob Manfred also came out and stated that there is a chance that that's probably not going to be the case. You have to roll with the punches right now, and I think that's what leagues need to remember is that you just can't really set anything in stone. Yeah, and I think it's realistic of Rob Manfred to be like, listen, we have high hopes, but if it doesn't happen, we're not going to be disappointed either. Is the 27th of February early? No, it's actually about the same time usually. Yeah, this is normally the last week of February, so... They might actually be starting about a week late, realistically. Okay, or at least a few days. Yeah. Speaking of Rob Manfred, though, continue on his news. He's hopeful for fans at league championship series, so National League and American League championship series, um, whether it be like minimum amount of fans, whatever he wants to do, preferably in the 20 to 40% is what he was kicking the idea of. This is the guy that said maybe not in February. <laughs> it's and kind then, of ironic, what right? Is He's like, happening? but like in like a month, maybe we'll do that. But not in February. Right. What, what is happening? <laughs> All in the same week, which is the greatest part about it. But he's particularly interested in having fans at the World Series games, which, as a White Sox fan, with there being a chance that my team makes the World Series, and it will be here in Dallas, in Arlington, 30-minute drive away. I'm sorry, excitement. She's giving me the tone-it-down <laughs> hand. I... I would be on board with at least 20% fans. I would go and quarantine myself for 14 days afterwards. I wouldn't have a problem with it. I was going to say, enjoy being quarantined because I'm not getting that again. I'll do it. I still have lung damage. I'm not doing that again. I know. understand. But I would thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to see my White Sox play in a World Series game. Because normally I'd have to go to Chicago or wherever else they're playing. I would thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to not get COVID again. Yes understandable but as a diehard sports fan i would take the the risk just to see it happen it's like kind of like that once in a lifetime situation where we went and saw the blackhawks play the ducks in the western conference final and ended up being the longest playoff game in history for the organization so it's just like of course that's gonna be great though in my sports memories this reminds me of the time when you were trying to get me to buy a ticket to fly to San Jose, stay in a hotel for a night, go see my Penguins play San Jose. It was over $1,000 cheaper than it was to see it in Pittsburgh, though. Yeah, but at the same time, I said, no, I know this is once in a lifetime, but we shouldn't, so we didn't. And maybe you should look at my mindset and think about that when it comes to the White Sox possibly playing in the World Series and the possibility of you seeing it. Is all I'm saying. And this is the difference as to why I love the sports podcast and you're like, ah, sports. Ah, sports. Yeah. If I couldn't persuade you to see your favorite sports team, (laughs) I don't know how else I could have done anything else to it. I I just don't. I don't know what I could have done. All right. It's a losing battle, folks. I'm sorry. You're going to listen to this podcast and I'm never going to win. But continuing on, we spoke about Pablo Sandoval or Kung Fu Panda. Oh, Last yeah. week. I was like, I don't know who this is. When did we talk about him? And he then you was, said Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. He was dropped from the Giants last week and signed this week to a minor league contract with the Atlanta Braves. So it uh, didn't take him very long. Well, he was on a minor league contract already technically with the Giants as it was. Oh. Yeah, I, I didn't know if that was a step down. Well, kind of. Because like, I, I think his contract was a two-way contract with the Giants. Now it's not. So 
I don't know what that means. Yes, you do. You know what a two-way contract means. You are an NHL fan. If you don't know what a two-way contract means, I'm going to cry. Cry, cry, and cry. I don't have any Kleenex. I can't help you. Yeah. Two-way contract from minor leagues to majors. Okay. You go up and down. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. I just, I didn't know it well enough to say I knew it. (laughs) My sigh of frustration. I don't see any tears. Where are they? They're they're coming. Don't you worry. (laughs) Working on it. Also this week, the New York Mets have a new owner, so so do Mr. Met and Mrs. Met, which you liked some of their photos from earlier on They're in the season. They were pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, Steve Cohen owned 8% of the organization to start the year, and now he owns 96% of the organization. Why? He that dropped is so much. $2.4 billion on this buyout. With a B. Well, he's a multi-billionaire, so it's totally fine. But but why? Why do you need to own that much of the team? Just 51%, right? That's all you need to own, and then you have majority. Yeah, but he wanted it all, clearly. I don't see an upside to this, but okay. And then we'll talk about the team I don't like to talk about, the Chicago Cubs. But they're a bear. They're cute. Yeah. I mean, they're not your team, but they're cute. So Alec Mills was called up from the minor league. And he threw the second no-hitter in the oh, MLB yeah. season this week. So Chicago has the only no-nos in the baseball Yeah, in world. the entire baseball world this year. The only no-nos are on the north and south side of the city currently. Someone needs to go to Chicago figure out what they're doing there. I will state that Giolito's was a better performance when it came to strikeouts and walks given up. He was a lot closer to a perfect game than Alec Mills was, without a doubt. And none of that not having to point it out or not having to think about it, that's not you being biased at all. No, it's just the facts. The way it is. Yep. When you have a pitcher that throws 13 strikeouts versus only six, you know, it's kind of That like, is a big difference. It's a gigantic difference. So, yeah, my team's was better. That's all I'm saying. You're also biased, but let's move on. <laughs> but that's pretty much all the MLB news I have this week. I don't know if you have anything else kind of hidden around, but that, that's all I got. No. That was everything for me. For the NBA, the latest in the playoffs news, the Heat are currently leading the Celtics 2-1, to and the Lakers are currently leading the Nuggets 1-0. to I think they play tonight. I'm really sad that the Heat didn't take Game 3. I was really hoping after the attitude that the Celtics had in their locker room after Game 2, where they were literally throwing things at each other in their locker room, that the team was just going to fall apart at that point. But instead, the Celtics responded. I guess abuse they, is the way they turn well, to success. I wouldn't say that. I would say that level of anger is going to ignite something in someone. And Clearly they got to turn it around. Yeah. I would never say that abuse is how you get players to play better. I agree. I think the players were just angry at themselves. And at each other. Yeah. Uh, in the locker room, it came close to fisticuffs last week uh, or the previous game. And they clearly were like, wow, we really suck. We should all just play better. How about that? And it worked. So I'm a little nervous now because they definitely outplayed the Heat a majority of the game. So who are we rooting for here? Do we want the Heat to win? I want the, the Heat to win just because Jimmy Butler, A, started his own coffee business inside the bubble, which I think is the greatest thing in the world. Okay, so I want the Celtics to win now. And I want Jimmy Butler to win because he's an ex-Bulls player as well. Like, he okay. dra- was drafted with the Bulls. So I'd like to see him continue to drop buckets all over the, the court. So, But we're still rooting for the Nuggies in, in the West. 
I, yeah. We are rooting for the Nuggies in this house. Yeah, I... The Golden Nuggies! I know you're rooting for the Nuggies. I grew up in San Diego watching the Lakers play, so Kobe and Shaq were the era that I got after the Jordan era of basketball, so... So we are both rooting for opposing teams in these two, and you are currently winning. And as it's the year that Kobe Bryant passed away... Well, fine. Just make me freaking cry. Yeah. Well, Stop it. I, I'm gonna make you cry even more because I have hot topics related to Kobe Bryant. So, and it it's gonna make you cry a little bit more. Why are we trying to make each other cry in this episode? I don't know, but that's what it's all about. We should literally just title it "Who Cries First. Well, before we get to the crying marathon, the Milwaukee Bucks is Giannis. Yanni. Giannis. Giannis was right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The last name is the one you're gonna have struggle with if you actually wrote it out. I wrote it out. I'm not going to say it. He (laughs) won the second straight NBA MVP award, received 85 of 101 first place votes. Yeah, LeBron James was not too happy about that, considering he's having one of his best years of his career. Um, Well, everyone else likes this other guy more. Yeah. Yeah, and NBA Live, which is like the talk show, like NHL Live, I guess you would be the comparison for you. Oh my goodness, yeah. no way, really? They super disagreed with it, and basically what they told LeBron was, listen, clearly this award isn't given to the best player in the NBA. Ooh. And I was like, oh, oh Those are fighting yay. words. Those like, are fighting words. Yeah. I was kind of shocked, to be completely honest, to hear it, but... You know, at the same time, it's like looking into stats, like, yes, Giannis outperformed LeBron. But I think when it comes to like the overall team performance, LeBron outperformed Giannis every day of the week. But it's not the most valuable team award. It's the most valuable player award. Right. But as a player, it would mean you're more valuable if you're making your team play better as well at the same time, wouldn't it? You'd be a more valuable player. That is the debate, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it? It's literally the debate. Any other NBA news? I have a lot of NBA news. Let's get it cracking. Okay. The most recent bit of news was uh, the Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan. You were telling me about this. Won an Emmy for Best Documentary or Nonfiction Series. So kudos to them on that. That's really cool. I've yet to watch it, which makes me a awful Chicago sports fan. I have yet to watch it, and that makes me me. Yeah. That's it. Congratulations. Uh, so I will probably be doing that in the near future, especially now that it's won an Emmy. I feel like I'd be even worse of a fan if I didn't watch it at that point. But here's your crying story. So Pau Gasol was a longtime co-worker slash player, like teammate. That's the word I was looking for. Co-worker teammate of, <laughs> not of LeBron James. That's of, totally staying in. Of Kobe Bryant. And he just had his, I believe it was his second daughter. I might stand corrected. It might be his first daughter. And he gave the daughter Gianna, basically gave the daughter the middle name of Gianna, which was Kobe's daughter that passed away on the helicopter with him. Oh, wow. And remembrance of Gianna Bryant, because Pau Gasol's exact quote was, I remember how uplifting of a spirit she was, and I hope my daughter can live to just those same standards. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of weight to put on a yeah, little tiny exactly. set of shoulders. That's what I thought, too. I was like, wow. Like, that's super honorable of you to do that. But at the same time, it's like, whew. Like, dude, tough, tough one. Yeah. 
But super kudos to him making that decision and his wife being okay with it. Obviously, it's a two-person decision. You don't just be like, yeah, my daughter's name is this. And then the wife's like, what? Unless you're my dad pulling a fast one on my mom. And then we won't go into the middle name on the air. But that happened. Yep. So That's hilarious. I mean, your dad doing that to your mom's hilarious. (laughs) Yes. But we'll get into more serious news. Mike D'Antoni was the head coach of the Rockets this year. They definitely went further in the playoffs than I think most people expected them to. Um, He will not be returning as a coach next year for the Houston Rockets. He's currently the front runner for the 76ers head coaching job. I was like, why? I I get Houston, it's miserable with the humidity. But then you're going to Philadelphia. That's always a mistake. Yeah, like they're they're both awful decisions. Like there are better choices. But that's what he's applying for currently. In the positive news of things, Toronto Raptors announced they are re-signing their head coach to a multi-year deal. The term of years and dollars have not been announced to the public. So we just don't know how long multi-year is. It could be two, could be six, who knows, somewhere in between. But that's a thing that happened. And then this week, we had the all-NBA teams announced. Luckily, there's only three of them, thank God, because the list seemed like it was going on forever. If they did a fourth and fifth, I would have just stopped at one. The what NBA team? All-NBA. It's basically like the all-American teams um, for like college or high school football. You have on the first team, LeBron James. You have Giannis. I don't want to say his last name. Antitokounmpo. Yep, that's it. That's, That's what it is. And... My guys at work are going to give me hell about it this week if they listen to the podcast. Tito Kunpo. Yeah, that's definitely not it either. (laughs) We both tried. We both failed. Moving on. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, most well known for his lovely unibrow that he loves rock all the time. James Harden. And then the local hero here in Dallas, Luka the Don Doncic. Okay, that's a name I know. The second team... All-NBA team is made up of Kawhi Leonard, who I grew up watching a little bit play in San Diego State, and that was entertaining as I'll get out. Pascal Siakam, I only know how to say his name because I heard them talk about him. Nikola Jokic, who is part of your Nuggies. The Nuggies. Yeah. Chris Paul and Damian Lillard. I'm really sad that the Portland Trailblazers got out as early as they did. I was definitely rooting for a little more Dame time in the playoffs this year, but clearly cut short. On the third All-NBA team, you have Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Russell Westbrook. We root for the Gobert. Mm. Bear. It's That's, in his name. So if you don't know who Rudy Gobert is. He's a bear? I let me. I got to double check this really quick because I'm pretty sure. Did he do something bad? Yep. Then No, we don't like him anymore. I just thought bears are cute. So Rudy Gobert, and you'll remember him as soon as I tell you the story, and I was right. Rudy Gobert was... I can never have anything nice in my life. Nope, you can't. Uh, was the player when COVID hit the week before, knowingly had tested positive for COVID-19, and was joking about it and touching all the mics. Oh, I don't like this guy. Dang it. Change uh, your name. He's the reason that sports ended, more or less. Uh, obviously, COVID would have eventually ended the seasons, but he sped it right along. Thanks, I don't I don't know that jerk. he knew he was a positive test at that point. He knew he was sick, and he was, like, joking Just about it. Just assume. Yeah. Just assume at that point, yeah. sir. And he's touching all the mics. And then the next week, four players on his team came down with COVID-19. They probably would have anyway, Because they be came back around for the press conference yeah and that's when the nba said no more and then the other leagues 
a day or two after we're like, we agree. All right, move back to the list. I don't want to root for the Go Bear, whoever that is. Russell Westbrook, the ex-Oklahoma I know that City name. Thunder <laughs> star. And Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was a Philadelphia 76ers player. So we don't want to root for that team at all. They're no, bad. third team's garbage. Do they, do they play each other? What's the point? No, it's just more like, hey, I was part of the first team. Oh, so it's stupid. It's Yeah, it's just bragging rights. More or Pointless. Less. Yeah. All right. But that's all the basketball news I have this week. So we'll move on to the soccer news. I tried to keep that short and sweet this week. I know that I only one... have two things. Awesome. What two things do you have? Is it the MLS? One is the MLS and one's international. Thank the Lord, because I didn't look at the MLS. The one I have is the Minnesota United signed Key Kamara from Colorado. I don't know what Colorado's name is. In exchange for $150,000 of allocation money and a 2022 second round draft pick. Interesting. I didn't even know the MLS had draft. Honestly. We're learning so much on this podcast and not all of it is coming from you. Yeah. So that's nice. Well, it makes sense, I guess, because all other American sports have a draft. But at the same time, it's like... Don't you just take your players from the international leagues? Yeah, and just sign up. <laughs> like, you get all the hand-me-downs and then the guys that don't make it to the big leagues yet, usually speaking... Um, but that's all I have for MLS, and you said you didn't look up MLS news. I don't ever, so... It was all, this team's looking to take down this team, and this team's looking to take down this team. That's all it's been. So it was super boring. Yeah. Because it's the MLS, and it's super boring. But in international soccer news, U.S. teenager Giovanni Reina scored his first Bundesliga goal in Dortmund's 3-0 victory over Borussia Mönchengladbach on Saturday. I thought the more important news of that was that you also had your other youngster, Holland, go ham sandwich and score two goals as well. Is that news at this point? Just yeah. expect it. Just expect it, right? One it's of beautiful. them, albeit one of them was a PK, but still two goals nonetheless. Yeah. No, it's his first Bundesliga goal. He's only 17 and change. He has not yet turned 18. So on uh, that news front, um, we'll talk about Bayern Munich and their whomping of Schalke. Well, and then we'll just talk about my team again, if this is how it's going to go. Well, I only reason I thought it was funny because you were so direct to tell me about the 17-year-old's goal. That was the news. I know. I've got one to beat it, though, because technically the youngest goal ever scored by a non-German national player in the Bundesliga was actually set by one of my team this past week. There's only like a hundred days difference between the two of them, right? Yep. Okay, go yep. on. But we win because, you know. Because you're part of that team that just has to do that <laughs> nonsense, but go ahead. Bayern, Tell us about Bayern it. Bayern Munich defeated FC Schalke 8-0. to I thought it was 8-2. No, there were no goals scored. Well, there had to be at least eight goals scored. Yeah. You can look it up. I, I'm, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy the look of wrong on your face. My face will stay neutral as <laughs> yeah. I say that I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Sergei Nabry uh, scored three goals, once in the 4th, the 47th, and the 59th minute, completing the hat trick. Obviously, there were no fans at the game because they didn't want to take risk of putting fans in a stadium where Bayern Munich would have loaded it to the tee as the first game to have fans. They are allowed to have 20% 
capacity currently in the Bundesliga. Certain states of Germany will not allow fans in stadiums still, so it's kind of like here in the U.S. where... Governors decide what's going to happen in your state. Yeah. More or less, yeah. The other goals were scored by Leon Goretzka, uh, Lewandowski, Thomas Müller, the new hire Leroy Son. He also had two assists on the goals. And the youngest player currently not of German descent in the Bundesliga to score a goal, Jamal Musiala. He scored as well one goal to finish off the game and make it 8-0. to zero. It was a beautiful goal at that. It was a quite a deep strike. So it was like, dude, if you got to go into the Bundesliga, that's the way to do it. Yeah. So. You say that as if the Bundesliga isn't a good league to play in. No, it's abso- It's a great league to go into. And that's why I think scoring in the fashion they did is just phenomenal. Icing so. on the cake. Yep. Pretty much. The only other Bundesliga news I have is that Bayern Munich completed the transfer of Thiago Alcantara from their organization to Liverpool for a £20 million fee. As well, Thiago was signed to a four-year £20 million contract. So they spent £40 million to get this deal done. So it's sad to see Thiago go because he's been the strength of the center of our formation for the longest time i believe it's close to almost four years now at this point so it's rough to see him leave the organization but at the same time uh, i hope the best for him i don't normally root for liverpool but at the same time they need the help they can get considering they blew their first game against a no-name team almost and then the last bit of soccer news i have comes out of the premier league i watched my newcastle united win a lovely game last week and And then they lost one today take a Beating today 3-0 to to Brighton and Hove Albion. It was tough. Obviously, we lost to a team that is probably going to be a middle-of-the-pack team just like us. So, it's not so bad. And you guys kind of did the same thing. Manchester United lost 3-1 to at the hands of Crystal Palace. You notice how I didn't bring that up. Yeah. Well, I'm here for you. Don't mm, worry. Thank you. Um, Crystal Palace had outpossessed you guys had outshot you guys so it was bound to happen that y'all were gonna lose they outscored you guys you lost the game that's the well end of that. and even your head coach had stated that it just looked like everybody was just really tired and worn out for some reason and i'm like that's not a good thing to start the season like like you should have you had a little bit of time to rest it's not like you guys were deep in the champions league or anything like that or europa league so it's like why didn't you just take the time to rest properly and then get fit accordingly? Because you had the time off. So, And then a weird one that happens, I believe, today. Tottenham defeats Southampton 5-2. to Four goals were scored by Hyung Min Sun. He's one of their forwards. Usually plays alongside the stars up front. So he got some good scoring opportunities and truly capitalized on it. Four goals in one game. That's kind of unheard of in the soccer world, you know. It doesn't happen too often, that's for sure. So that's why I brought it up. Pretty cool tidbit of info. But that's all I have in the soccer world, and it sounds like that's already what you had in the soccer world. Yep, all the sports news I have this week. And same for me. We appreciate you guys giving us the time and listening to the podcast. Make sure you check out all the social media that will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you later this week in the book podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.